Welcome to Hollywood Profiles of Yesteryear. I'm your host, Gabriel Russo, and we are going on an audio journey back to the silent era of Hollywood. But it's only for 15 or 20 minutes, so not to worry. This time on Hollywood Profiles of Yesteryear, we're taking a look at one of the earliest child stars, if not the biggest, arguably one of the biggest child stars of the silent era, and one who is amazingly still with us today, Baby Peggy, right after this. This is KDKA of the Westinghouse Electric and Manufacturing Company in East Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We shall now broadcast the election returns. We are receiving these returns by special arrangement with the Pittsburgh Post and Sun. We'd appreciate it if anyone hearing this broadcast would communicate with us, as we are very anxious to know how far the broadcast is reaching and how it is being received. I couldn't agree more. I am also curious to see how far this is reaching and how it is being received. Welcome back to Hollywood Profiles of Yesteryear. Once again, I am your host, Gabriel Russo. We are broadcasting from the lonely studio at the back of the house, and this episode we are learning about Baby Peggy, as I previously said. Once again, I get my information from Wikipedia. I get it from IMDB. I get it from Silence Our Golden blog. And in this episode, I've got some information from www.therap.com. W-R-A-P. TheRap.com Baby Peggy was born Peggy Jean Montgomery, October 29th, 1918. And as I said previously, she is still with us today at the tender age of 98 years old. She was one of the three major American child stars of the silent era. The others would be uh, Jackie Coogan and Baby Marie. Jackie Coogan was famously in The Kid discovered by Charlie Chaplin. He was in that film in 1921. Jackie Coogan also went on to be Uncle Fester in the television show The Addams Family in the 60s. He died in 1984. He famously sued his mother and stepfather over film earnings that were squandered, and California, due to that, California enacted the uh, first legal protection for the earnings of child performers, known as the Coogan Act. I thought, before I looked him up, I had thought that he also worked, Jackie Coogan was uh, was in the Our Gang comedies. I don't think that's right. I think that I was wrong about that. So, anyway, Jackie Coogan was a huge star. And Baby Marie, she was the first major child star. I think we talked about Baby Marie briefly in a previous episode. But we will get into her eventually. We will do... But those, those are the top three um, and earliest build child stars. She was discovered... This is baby Peggy now we're talking about. Um, discovered is an odd thing to say when, at, when it happens at 19 months old. But her family was visiting... Well, her father was a film extra and a cowboy... He worked as a stuntman, he was a stand-in for Tom Mix, and eventually became Tom Mix's um, stunt double. As a result, the family went to visit 
Century Studios, which I thought was interesting. This is one of the, there's a couple of firsts in this episode. First for me, Century Studios, where baby Peggy got her start, was on Sunset Boulevard, and it burned down in 1926. Now, I did an episode early on in this podcast about early studios, had never come across Century Studios. So I went looking for this episode and couldn't find anything. I mean, I, I on IMDb, eventually I found a list of movies produced by Century Studios. Now, most of them, as a matter of fact, all of them, I guess, have been lost because of the studio fire. But I just thought it was interesting that there wasn't anything beyond that fact, you know, as, as far as Century Studios. I just thought that that's a, that's a lacking area of Hollywood history. And someone, possibly myself, but someone probably better suited to research and um, staying on task, maybe look into Century Studios and find something out about that. I think that would be very, uh, very interesting. So anyway, she was with her mother, obviously, at 19 months old. They were visiting the studio. Director Fred Fishback was impressed with Peggy's well-behaved demeanor and her willingness to follow directions from her father and hired her, well, hired the family, put Peggy in a series of shorts with Century Studios' canine star Brownie the Wonder Dog. Now, that one, that also led me to look up Brownie the Wonder Dog to try and find more information out about Century Studios. All I found was that uh, Brownie was a Wonder Dog, <laughs> appeared in several films. He was a Bull Terrier, Fox Terrier, crossbreed, and uh, he was in a ton of movies. He was in Brownie's Little Venus in 1921. With baby Peggy, see, and that's and there and there it ends. And so there's not much more about Century Studios, which is really fascinating to me. Anyhow, I'm probably too fascinated by that. Uh, their first film together, Playmates, in 1921, was a success, and Peggy was hired on, signed to a long-term contract. So between 1921 and 24, Peggy made close to 150 short comedies for Century Studios. Kind of interesting because they, uh, her films, it's sad, but we're again at one of these, we're with one of these stories here that their films are mostly lost. Baby Peggy's films, the vast majority have been lost uh, due to the studio fire. Most of her movies, though, were uh, parodies of popular comedies of the day that had grown-up stars like uh, Rudy Valentino, Paula Negri, Mary Pickford and Mae Murray. She delightfully imitated those stars and, you know, people loved her for it. Her first feature film was in 1922. It was called Penrod. And she made a number of feature films. Mostly she made uh, short comedies like we talked about or like I mentioned. So, Baby Peggy, the, the popularity of these movies cannot be overstated, basically. She was huge. She was, within just a, you know, a few months, she got, uh, she became, you know, really big. So, in 1923, Universal Studios um, takes an interest and signs Baby Peggy, putting her in the Darling of New York when she was three and a half years old. And it was a huge hit. She also, she followed that up with Helen's Babies in 1924. That was one of a number that were follow-ups that were also certifiable hits. 
So in, in 1922, she receives over 1.2 million fan letters. By 1924, by which time she's now working with Universal, she has been dubbed the Million Dollar Baby because she is earning $1.5 million a year. She's like four years old. When she's not filming, she does a whole bunch of in-person, you know, personal appearances across the country. She does short skits in, in live theater situations. She plays Grauman's Theater. She plays the Hippodrome thought this was interesting. She is chosen as the mascot of the 1924 Democratic Convention in New York City, and she's on stage waving the U.S. flag next to uh, FDR. So by the time she's five years old, she has her own. She's already a million. She's earned a million, a million and a half a year. She has her own line of products. There's dolls. There's milk. There's jewelry, sheet music. I guess sheet music back then was a huge seller because there was no radio. There were, you know, the, the stuff was just barely becoming national. And so people would buy more sheet music to play, you know, to entertain themselves. Uh, Judy Garland had said that uh, she owned a baby Peggy doll at one point and they later became friends. So that $1.5 million a year at that time was equivalent to $20.6 million in 2014 terms of dollars. And uh, on the vaudeville tours mentioned, that we mentioned, uh, she made $300 a day. Unbelievable. I only go into all this money and, and kind of floored by all the money of it, it because um, this is one of those sad cases where, just like Jackie Coogan, the family um, squandered the money. Her fortune, uh, reportedly, was depleted by her father. In one article, I I find that um, it was her grandfather, and then in another article, I find that it was her father. Anyway, somebody mismanaged her money. Money was spent on expensive cars, homes, and clothing. Nothing was set aside for Peggy or her sister, Jackie. Jack Louise was her sister's name. Odd name. So Peggy was making, so like I say, she was making uh, $300 a day on the vaudeville tours, but she herself was only getting one nickel for every performance. And so spending and corrupt business partners, her entire fortune is gone by the time she hits puberty. By eight years old, she's not working in pictures anymore. She's done. And that was also, uh, according to uh, sources, that that was her father's fault as well because he had a falling out with one of the, the directors over her um, salary. And so, <laughs> dad really doing a number. Her working conditions when she was a kid, uh, well, obviously this is the time we're talking about. As a toddler at the height of her career, <laughs> she would work eight hours a day, six days a week. She performed her own stunts like all the other actors in Hollywood at the time. One of the stunts included her being held under water in the ocean until she fainted for the picture Seashore Shapes. Seashore Shapes. Say that ten times fast. Which would put you in prison nowadays. She escaped alone from a burning room in the Darling of New York. And she rode underneath a train car in Miles of Smiles. While she was at Century, she claimed that she... Not claimed. She witnessed many instances of animal cruelty, and saw a trainer crushed to death by an elephant. 
so this was Hollywood, you know, back then. You, you, in the other episodes or previously when we're talking about adults, you hear about people working and, and they're barely escaping, you know, and nobody's really getting hurt or there's the occasional injury, but everybody's doing their own stunts and all that. And it seems like, wow, they're doing it. But this is a kid we're talking about, a five-year-old, and they're holding her underwater until she, I mean, they say fainted in here, but it's closer to drowning or near drowning, you know, and then putting her in a room. And I know it's a movie set, but you put her in a room, a five-year-old alone, and then set the room on fire. That seems insane to me, but I guess, you know, for the art or for that money, I guess. So Peggy and her sister neither attended school until the end of the vaudeville era, because, you know, when she was on breaks, they would be traveling vaudeville. And uh, her sister didn't seem like acted, but or got into the business at all, but her film career ended in 1925 when her father, like I said, had a, fil- a falling out with a producer named Saul Lesser over her salary, and her contract was canceled. She was blacklisted and uh, was only able to land one more part in silent films. That's in 1926, a picture called April Fool. So she's out of films, and she, she goes on tour touring the country as vaudeville now she can't play a lot of places because of her age but they just bill her as a special guest and not the star but she's touring all the time she's got tonsillitis and all this lots of other ailments she's going on stage they're pushing her on stage and she's sick they finally stop touring in uh what is it 1928 i guess 29 when her father had planned to uh he bought a ranch and was going to convert it into a you know luxury place getaway but the stock market crash halted that, and they had already made a uh, down payment. So they moved to Wyoming, where they lived. Um, she loved it out there. This is, a, you know, she's a little kid. But the family struggled to make money, and eventually, in the early 1930s, they traveled back to Hollywood, where Peggy is uh, not pleased. But she does pose with uh, Douglas Fairbanks, planning on her comeback. While that's happening, the entire family takes on work as extras. Peggy hated acting. And she got a couple of bit parts through throughout the 30s. But she was getting older and kind of awkward, you know. She had, she had uh, several nervous breakdowns, and she lived in near poverty. So in 1938, like I said, it's her last, um, it's her last film... And that is when Jackie Coogan, the aforementioned Jackie Coogan, his he, when he sues his parents for spending all his money, for blowing all his money. Baby Peggy's parents ask her if she's plan, planning to do the same thing to them. But Peggy says, you know, it wouldn't, what would, what good would it do? So she doesn't, she doesn't sue them, but she wouldn't have gotten any money anyway. They apparently were very worried about that. So by 1938, like I say, she's out of, uh, out of films. Altogether, the biggest, I mean, you talk about a bright, flashing, now child stars obviously don't last long anyway, but she only lasted, you know, five years or something as a star, as a child star, and as a big star. And then her parent, and then her parents spent all her money, and then, man. So she changes her name. She gets married to some, to Gordon Ayers in 1938, and she changes her name to Diana because she doesn't want to be known as Baby Peggy. She's working as a writer for various radio shows, and she finds that whenever people figure out who she is, that she was Baby Peggy, they're more interested in talking about that than in her writing. So she changes her name uh, to Diana Sarah Carey, 
she divorced this Gordon Ayers, and she took Sarah as her confirmation name. And then she remarried a man named Mr. Carey and was missed. So, Diana Sarah Carey, you know, to distance herself. She wrote an autobiography. She became kind of a, a, a she had a second career, basically, as um, a writer of Hollywood works. Her autobiography is called Whatever Happened to Baby Peggy, the autobiography of Hollywood's pioneer child star. Um, she also wrote a, wrote a biography on Jackie Coogan, The World's Boy King, a biography of Hollywood's legendary child star. She wrote a whole bunch of books. She's written books about early early film history, Hollywood cowboys, the harsh working conditions for child stars, things that she saw back then. I thought that, you know, that's kind of interesting. At the end of her own autobiography, she recounts the fates of uh, Judy Garland and Shirley Temple and other numerous child stars. And she advocated for reforms in child performer protection laws, makes personal appearances and whatnot. She's really made a, uh, she's made peace with the fact that she was, she wrote Hollywood Posse in 1975 and then Hollywood's Children. Her autobiography was, was released in 1996. I, w- I would have thought that it would came, that it came out earlier, but. So in 2012, a campaign to get her Hollywood, uh, to get her a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Um, that was on Indiegogo, and I couldn't find any information on whether she actually got her star or not. Turner Classic Movies presented a uh, documentary, Baby Peggy, The Elephant in the Room, also in 2012. Like I said, the vast majority of her films have not survived, and even the records related to their production have been lost, which is crazy sad. That The Century Studios, like I mentioned, burned down in 1926, and that was that. She's been confused with another actress over the years. There was an, an actress named Peggy Montgomery who was filming Western films between in the early 20s, between 24 and 29. And sometimes there's overlap with films of hers and baby Peggy's and with records being incomplete and just flat out wrong sometimes. You know, the accidents happen. <laughs> A handful of her shorts have been discovered and preserved around the world. We've got Playmates, Miles of Smiles, and Sweetie. Full-length movies, we've got a few, actually, also. The Family Secret, April Fool, Captain January, and Helen's Babies have also survived. They're public domain, and they have been restored and made available for sale by independent film dealers. you probably find a copy of any of them. If they're public domain, you probably find them online and watch one. A full copy of a film called The Law Forbids is rumored to exist, but has not come out publicly or has not been, has not surfaced publicly. And fragments of other work have surfaced. And in 2016, in Japan, they found one of her lost films, Our Pet. So they're constantly finding old films, which is fascinating to me. Um, she was Little Red, Little Red Riding Hood. Uh, which just makes sense, you know, for back then. They did a lot of fairy tale work and that kind of thing. So, yeah, most of her stuff has been lost, and uh, that's very sad. Even the uh, even the records, you know, pointing to it have been lost. It's really, um, you know, that kind of stuff is awful. So in 2008, she was honored her 90th birthday party at the Edison Theater in Niles, California, and they showed two of her features, Captain January and Helen's Babies, and several shorts, each introduced by Baby Peggy. Pretty neat. And then the following day, they had a Q&A 
She put her handprints, Chinese theater style, at the entrance of the Silver Lake Vista Theater. As When she was four years old, she participated in the theater's opening ceremony in 1923. It's been refurbished and reopened twice, with Peggy appearing at both reopenings. And in 2003, 80 years after the first time she was there, that's when she put her handprints, which is pretty cool. So for all the money that we talked about earlier that she made and how rich she was, in 1934, there's two instances of salaries here. In 1934, she's in a picture called Eight Girls in a Boat. Her career is virtually over by this point, you know, and she's trying desperately to make her comeback. Eight Girls in a Boat would pay her $55 a week. And then the following year, in 1935, a film called Ah, Wilderness would pay a meager $7.50 a week. And so that would be, um, you know, kind of basically how how that would end. There's, uh, there's a great interview, Baby Peggy, on, that, uh, on silencergolden.com. Check that out if you'd like. And so I believe that that's going to do it for this week. That's going to do it for Baby Peggy. I almost forgot how to do the podcast. It's been so long. I had some issues with billing and whatnot. Yeah, I'm sorely out of practice. And so, um, thank you for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at GRusso1971. Facebook, Hollywood Scandals of Yesteryear is the uh, website or is the Facebook page. (laughs) Uh, Or Gabriel Russo Art. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode, and I thank you for listening, and check it out next time. Thanks, bye. Bye.